Welcome everyone to the Ty and Bob pod here at Golong, golongtd.com. One of our three podcasts. I'm Tyler Dunn, the founder, here with Bob McGinn, the great Bob McGinn, longtime NFL scribe, pro football hall of famer. Bob, a little under the weather. Is this your yes, uh, Jordan flu game here? Yeah, you got it, Tyler. Um, took took the COVID test. I'm negative there. Not feeling real well. So let's uh, let's crank it up. Hey, you know what? If if Jordan can uh, can put up thirty plus and hit a jumper or two, feeling like he did against the Utah Jazz, I don't I don't know why you can't break down. Packers Giants and Tommy Salami taking it to Joe Barry. I kind of like Tommy Salami more than Tommy Cutlets. I know Tommy Cutlets is the nickname that's taken off here, but Tommy Salami just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> he played a lot better than he did for Illinois. I saw him a lot the last couple of years, last year anyway. Yeah, I mean, Wait, I'll what? take, uh, like I told Monas on the other show, I'll, I'll definitely take the DeVito sweet shots over the the taylor swift i mean you got the agent up there with the fedora and mom and dad <laughs> packer fans listening right now they're like oh my god just stop talking it's a nightmare <laughs> did not see this one coming because of course after taking down the detroit lions and that offensive juggernaut and of course after taking down the defending champion kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes and lambeau field the Packers would uh, waltz on into insipid MetLife Stadium, probably the worst lifeless stadium of the, of the NFL in terms of like new stadiums, right? There's just no character. So you kind of walk in there and you run into the Tommy DeVito buzzsaw. So as always, if you're new here, and I cannot thank everybody out there enough for finding Go Long, subscribing to Go Long. Again, we are completely powered by our readers and um, the outpouring has been incredible to see these last few days in light of our three-part series, the McDermott problem. So thanks again to everybody who read that, who subscribed. In addition to all of the long form, the Q and A's, the columns, uh, we have three podcasts. This is one of them with Bob McGinn, who meticulously dissects the film Primarily the Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions, Vikings, Bears, sticking in that NFC North, which Bob has covered for decades since 1979. Uh, but occasionally we'll definitely look around the NFL as well. And Bob was uh, glued to the screen watching several different games over the weekend in his th- through the sickness. Were you sick watching the games too, Bob? Has this been lingering? Uh, yeah, it has. I've, I've really been tough to battle through it from the couch, though, Tyler. You know, I really deserve tremendous credit for uh, for sucking it up and sitting on that couch. You know, <laughs> you sure got that right. Okay, where do you want to start? <laughs> Packers, Giants. Yeah. How how is that possible? Like, how does a team that looked so good, not just Jordan Love, not just the offense, but the defense? I think I asked you. After that Detroit game, does, does this secure Joe Barry's job status for 2024? And to your credit, you you tapped the brakes. You didn't just tap the brakes. I mean, you braked and said, well, there's some football left to be played here. As good as that defense looked, pressuring J- Jared Goff and making the Lions 
look like the Lions of old in their own stadium. Um, here they are against the, the Giants, just getting steamrolled by DeVito and a team that's just been absolutely besieged by injuries. You know, Tyler, I just want to say, you know, I saw this Green Bay team, as I pointed out the last week or two, that this NFC North race was not over. And I thought they had a real chance to win the division because I thought Detroit was going the other way, and they are. And the Packers were going the up, up, not down. And people thought I was crazy. I saw some stuff on Twitter, but I really felt they had a shot to win this division. There's your mistake, Bob. You saw yeah. some stuff on Twitter. It's uh, it's a cesspool. <laughs> a lot of, it is a lot of idiots. So, and then they, you know, but you figured of one of these last five games they would blow at least one. It's just you know they're not that good. They're young. That's just the way the NFL is. You're not going to run the table, I guess. And and they blew a game here and. um against a backup quarterback. I mean, they beat Brett Ripien and the Rams a couple of weeks ago. They got a huge break there. Now they got a break with DeVito, who actually played a lot better than I expected. And they go down the tube. So are they <clears throat> are they out of the division? They're three games behind. Detroit 9-4, and four, Vikings 7-6, Green Bay 6-7, Bears 5-8. I mean, they're closer to the bottom than, than the top. I look at this schedule for Green Bay, I still see them with a real chance to run the table and finish 10 and seven. I mean, I'm high on this team, Tyler. Maybe, I mean, I've picked them for the playoffs maybe it's miss miscast, but I still see this as a good team, but there was a lot of disappointments as we'll get to going through this position by position. I thought the pass rush was terrible that when it's winning time at the end, the pass rush just failed against DeVito and that defense. I'm a pass rush guy, pass rush, pass, pass block. And I didn't think the pass uh, blocking was very good either. So, and, and love was terrible. And so, you know, a lot of guys, they got some soul searching to do. This was a game that was there to be won and they dropped the ball. And uh, so now they're in this morass of six and seven. Tyler, one thing about this playoff picture, I'm starting to just hate that graphic, you know, <laughs> 15 years ago, 10 years ago, they put the stupid thing up, maybe with three games to go, right? Now these TV networks are putting it up with six and seven. It's been two, three weeks. The top 44%, it's 43.6, I think, Tyler. Let's round it up to 44. That top 40, 44% graphic. It's a joke. I learned long ago from my sports editor, the late, great uh, Len Wagner, I was covering Wisconsin Green Bay basketball, Division Two, And they were trying to get a Division Two playoff berth. And that the, the coach and the SID at Green Bay were talking about this like in late January. And I come back writing a game story my first year there about what this does for the playoff picture, the playoff push. He said, Bob, he sat me down. He said, that is garbage. That's what Len said. That's garbage. Just write to me about the game. Tell the reader about the game. And then in three or four weeks from now, if you want to talk about whatever this Division Two at-large berth, fine. But don't don't just bother me with all this garbage about playoffs. I never forgot that. Top 44% to go in and go somewhere on the road and get your brains beat in, it's not that big of a deal. 
Get the graphic off the screen. Thank you, Tyler. Amen, Bob. Put it on a t-shirt. I couldn't agree more. We've been on this for a while. It's all calculated by the NFL. You know, the NFL realized, sell a little hope to as many fan bases as possible. Deeper into the season, uh, you're not only going to fill the stadiums, you're going to have people buying Christmas gifts, right? If they if they think their 6-7 and seven team still has a little hope here in mid-December. It's good. It's good for business. You know what's what's bad for business is if you have coaches like Jim Morris screaming uh, playoffs. You know we can't even win a game. Like they've they've kind of gone the exact opposite direction of that epic tirade. Like when that when Jim Morris is living in reality, like there's there's a lot of teams up on that graphic that have no business thinking about the playoffs. That have no business of kidding themselves. And I'm sure privately, these coaches and GMs and players they they know the deal. Like they know okay. Like even if we win this game late in the season, it doesn't necessarily mean we're uh, going to slink into the playoffs here. But it's that's the NFL for you, right? It's it, you, you you've got to be optimistic at every turn. It's good for business, and I'm with you. All right, T. So um, let's look at the wideouts and the tight ends for Green Bay, okay? Romeo Dobbs, disappointment. He had the drop on the sideline. He made a juggling catch. He hung on for 14, but he showed shaky hands. Then he, you got to give him a drop on the touchdown in the corner. You got to give him a drop. Pretty poor effort. Um, you know, they miss Watson. They miss Musgrave, no doubt. They miss Aaron Jones. Um, so there's no question about that. And um, all right, Wicks, he got hurt late in the game. That hurt him. Fourth and fourth and one, he runs that route a yard short, cost him a first down. But then he extended on another uh, third and one, fourth and one, made a nice play, led to the touchdown. Um, third and five, made an acrobatic catch for 19 against that really good young corner, Deontay Banks of the Giants. Heck of a play. This Wicks guy, let's look at his numbers, T. Um. Uh, Six one and a half, two oh five, ran four six flat. I know I've referred to this a lot. I just he's playing pretty good for a four six guy. Yet his three cone was six nine one, which was really outstanding. So I don't know. He had a thirty nine vert and a ten ten broad jump. He's got some athletic ability. Maybe I think he he plays faster than four six zero. Maybe he just had a bad forty. I don't know. Uh, he's pretty good though. Heath, Malik Heath, the blocker guy, the uh, Lazard uh, man, dropped the touchdown, comes back and makes a great catch for uh, six yards against Banks for the score. Gives him a a short-lived lead. Toure, he plays in there. Uh, He hadn't played in about a month, and he had uh, 18 snaps in this game. All right, and Kraft. 43-yarder on that seam route. He gained an extra 19. He played every snap in this game, Tyler. You don't see tight ends playing 68 out of 68. That was impressive. And then let's go to Reed. What do they believe in this guy, you know? Uh, first play. And now these push passes, T, right? Those are completions for love, as they were for Aaron Rodgers. Beautiful, isn't it? Stat patterns, man. The push pass. 
little push. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the push pass. Counts as a completion. First play of the game, five yards for Reed. He, LaFleur keeps going to this stuff. Uh, he gets a touchdown on the end of round. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. Reed's got a lot of ability. He's got flashing feet. You know, he's the rare prospect out of Michigan State. I mean, they haven't had anything the last three, four years. And this guy, I saw him in college a lot. He's really a good player. I thought the second round was maybe a tad high, that he was more of a third. But he's proved me wrong. He's been a good player. But they keep going to this. Um, end of the round, first play, third quarter, starts the second half, gains 20. Um, double reverse in the red zone, loses one. Push pass, try it again, minus four. Reverse on the two-point, fails. Uh I mean, it's too much. They're using it too much. They're running the novelty off of it. And people are seeing it. The Giants have seen it so many times. I don't know. They got to dial that back. I know, you know, their hands are tied with the running back. And, you know, he's just a ponderous guy. And they're using Reed to fill in for Jack Jones. But, yeah, it's kind of brutal. Any thoughts on the on the receiving core, T? I really like that point on – you can kind of throw the screen game into that same category where there, there's, I don't know, here in Buffalo and at, at times in Green Bay, you, you'd hear from fans just irate over the fact that an offense isn't running more screens. Like, let's get the screens going. Like, but where are all the screens? And, and often it's true, but it's got to be timed up perfect. There's got to be an element of surprise. You, you've got to set it up. Think, just think back to like Brett Favre and Amon Green, like the 0204. Didn't it seem like they just they ran a lot of screens, but man, it was timed up beautifully, and you had the blockers to pull it off. Everything's got to kind of be poetry in motion for for those types of plays to work. Because early on in this Giants game, it seemed like that was their whole offense, didn't it? Like that was yeah. the only way they could really get anything going. But that's gonna wear off. And when it wears off, all right, what, what's your answer? And then what, when and how do you come back to it? Because it is a weapon. That's why I'm not an offensive play caller in the NFL, Bob. Yeah, me too. Um, in the running game, the old line, you know, as this season has gone on, they've gone really away from – they're using less zone and a lot more gap and uh, man scheme. They're pulling a lot of people, and uh, they must feel their old linemen are, are athletic and which they are with Tom and Rashid Walker. I think it's a means to take advantage of that athleticism, and they're not they're not as good in the ground and pound straight-ahead stuff. Um, Elgin Jenkins, he had a rough game, Tyler. He had a false start early. Uh, he had a bad run point of attack against the uh, beastly Dexter Lawrence. He had a miss on a screen. He was late. Half a hurry against Lawrence, knocked down against Lawrence on a bull rush. That was huge. That was the bomb to Toure that Love didn't quite have enough. He could have used half a second more and would have thrown a better ball. And then he didn't didn't get Okereke on that two-point uh, failed conversion. Jenkins didn't get there. I mean, I just don't know. Um He's not playing really good football. He's just kind of an average lineman right now. 
and they need more than that. Uh, at center, I got no problems with Myers right now. He's really turned it up the last half of this season. I got him for half a hurry against Lawrence, but he's playing good football right now. Zach Tom, he has an unreal kick step, doesn't he, from right tackle? He gets that right leg moving, man. He's a hard guy to beat. And he was up against Thibodeau, and I didn't think Thibodeau did a whole lot against him, and Thibodeau's had like 10, 12 sacks. Um, um, yeah. Okay, and then the left guard, Runyon, had uh, 56. Ryan had 12 at right guard, excuse me. Uh, Ryan had one bad run against Nunez Roaches. He's the ex-Buccaneer and the ex-Chief. I've always liked that, Nunez Roaches. And then he gave up a half a sack at the end. He got run over on a stunt by Lawrence. Then over at left tackle, 51 for Walker, 17 for Nijman. You know, Walker, pretty encouraging year for Walker, Tyler. Rashid Walker, the sixth-round pick from Penn State. You know, a character risk, some people thought. It's not playing bad. Now, at the end, he gave up a half sack on the bull rush to Ojolari. And uh, he that was on the and a knockdown to Ojolari. He kind of went to heck in the fourth quarter. But prior to that, only one bad run. I thought, you know, he's not a bad player. And I guess that's the old line. Um, I didn't think it was great. It was basically okay. The Giants played hard, and they got a little bit of the upper hand on the Packers there. Let's go to the QBT. Um, you know, we, we saw him play how many good games in a row? Chargers, Detroit, and Kansas City, right? Three really good games in a row. And prior to that, we were ambivalent or wait and see. So, I mean, you know, even after those three good games, I know I said, well, he's going to have a bad one or two in here. He just is. He's not, he's not advanced enough, and the supporting cast has been reduced minus three skill position players that really are the best at their position, tight end, wide out, and running back. Um, but again, the weather was good. It was a little windy, 14-mile-an-hour wind, but that's no problem for the Packers. And he just started out terrible, you know. Um, a wild with a glance route against a blitz. He wasn't set, didn't set his feet. Third and three, wild, throws, throws the ball, falling away, incomplete to the left side on the out. Uh, terrible start. Uh, on third and two, on that keep from the Giant 27, get physical. This guy hasn't been injured all year. Attack the sticks. Then he gets fumbled and stripped and tries to half slide. Get after it, you know. I don't know what he's doing there. He's got this great body. Get the first down. Now, we've talked about his lobs last week, and they worked well against Kansas City. And the first one, it worked to Wicks for 19, but then he tries another one, and it was a terrible throw, ball up for grabs, single high, safety comes over, interception. You know, we haven't talked much about this, and I'm guessing the win was a factor. But when he's lobbing those balls to the flat without throwing them on a straight, direct line, it handicaps the receiver. 
I mean, you're going to get two, three yards less because the guy's getting the ball, you know, a half a second too late. I mean, he's got to improve his accuracy and throw the ball on a line and let the guy get eight instead of five. That happened a few times. Um, third and 17 throws wild to Wicks, another near interception. Um, up in the red zone, he tried to climb the pocket the way DeVito was doing successfully all day. Gets nailed. Heck of a play by Thibodeau. Minus five for a sack. You know, he really was protected pretty well on this night, Tyler. Now, his receiving core is down, but he was protected pretty well. Uh, that line blocked better for the pass than the run. And the protection uh, hurt him on the long bomb to Toure. Yeah, a little bit underthrown, and that would have and the ball was broken up by Banks, but can't really knock him on the throw. I mean, that ball was pretty well thrown, especially the pressure. Uh, he got him into the end zone after the goofy fumble by Barkley. Takes over on the giant 36. He got him in the end zone with a touchdown. And then, um, so that's it. So he's in the wind. It's windy, but come on. I mean, he's, we're talking about seven or eight bad balls. It's a poor performance, and it, you know, it really led to the defeat. A lot of people are responsible for the defeat, but he's certainly near the top of the list. I really couldn't have said it any better myself, Bob. Wasn't it just disheartening and disappointing? You expect a game like this. You expect a dud. It's first year starting. He wasn't going to light it up. Every single week, even even with the schedule, you know, as as Jim Onis says often on the other show, like you got to show up. I mean, this is the NFL. Like it, you might think a team is is dead, and then the next you know, Mac Jones is leading the game winning drive on the Buffalo Bills at Foxborough. Right? Like, this is these are professionals. They're not they're not tanking on an individual basis. And the Giants' defense, they've had some really good moments this season. They've done, in my opinion, a fantastic job kind of finding some talent on that side of the ball. Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, he's he's legit. That That's starting to look like a home run. Now, they, they haven't hit everything. Over on the other side, Evan Neal in that same draft, he, he's gone through it. But, I mean, Bobby Okereke, <laughs> uh, Pinnock on the back end. I mean, this, this is a good defense. So, I'm not saying the Packers or Jordan Love just took them lightly, but I think going into this, that was the general sentiment. Like Jordan loves hot, just took down the champs. Of course, this offense is going to stay in rhythm. And and man, what a reality check for, for the team. But it's a reality check for Jordan Love, number one. Because now you're six and seven. Everything's still in front of you. You're going back to Lambeau Field against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that you should have success against. But uh, may, maybe it's the kind of game he needed riding so high. Could be. All right, so now the running backs, um, you know, I mean, loving the entire offense on the floor. Their hands are tied with Dylan and Taylor, you know. Taylor's just a big guy, too. Let's look at his numbers, Tyler. He's upright, and he's tall, and he's got some power. All right, Taylor, six one and a half. so he's one of the tallest running backs in the league. 217, ran four six zero. 13 on the test. You know, 
he hasn't played that bad. He had a bunch of injuries in college. I remember seeing him at uh, Memphis, and he had been somewhere else earlier than that. Um, you know, he broke Isaiah Simmons at the end of the half. Boy, is that guy falling, by the way. Gain of 14. He leaked out of a protection for a 16-yard completion. You know, he did some good things. He forgot to go OB. I mean, does LaFleur really have to show just such disgust with his players? Uh, I don't know. They, they cut to him on his face express, facial expression sometimes, and he shows, you know, disgust with his players. He's got to watch that. It doesn't look – it's not a good look. Um, and Dylan. He ranks 33rd in the league in rushing through Monday's games with 574. He's averaging 3.5. That 3.5 average is tied with uh, Jacobs of the Raiders for the worst average among the top 33. I use the word ponderous. You know, he made a hell of a play on that uh, dump pass. Uh, Jason Pinnock, the free safety, missed him. Gained an extra 26 yards after that miss. The gain was 34. I mean, it was a hell of a play. Screen, he collides with uh, Runyon for minus 10. He just is what he is. And uh, you can't really win a whole lot with with Dylan. I guess if you, you want him as a number two, I guess he's okay. But And they never played uh, Kenyon Drake, so... He just wasn't ready. They certainly needed him. So that's the offense. Uh, Wink Martindale got the, you know, got the nod, the decision over LaFleur. All these gimmicks LaFleur tried in this game. You know, can you imagine Mike Holmgren, who never did any of that stuff, watching at home, just saying, what? What's going on? You know, the show might say. But, you know, you're down three playmakers and, can't really rip Lafleur for it. He knows what he had. He knows what he what what he thought that offense was capable of. The answer is not too much, and he did get twenty two points out of the thing. Christian Watson, we might look back at him as the the real variable to this twenty twenty three season. He's got battling the hamstring injury even inconsistent for stretches on the field. He's so big. He's so fast. He's so explosive. If you were to create a wide receiver in a laboratory, it would be something like Christian Watson. He, he's body beautiful, right? Uh, you, you've seen a lot of these wide receivers up close. You, you know what the elite of the elite physical specimens look like. It's It's Christian Watson. And when he's on, and there's been moments, really promising moments, he makes everything better. Not having him out there is is huge. And I think you still don't really know if he's somebody you can rely on with these injuries. It's one thing after another. You've got to stay healthy. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard to blame a player for injuries. You, you never really know what somebody's going through, but it's it's been one thing after another, and I'm sure the Packers are frustrated. The injuries on Watson, Tyler, the... Uh... I don't think he's really good on contested catches, selling out inside. Yeah, maybe if he knows it's just him on a defensive back and a 50-50 ball, yeah, he'll go for that. But coming across the middle on a dig, he hasn't shown that, and he's a non-blocker. So, yeah, as you say, the injuries, he's not a great player, but he is their biggest threat. 
and they miss him. Yeah, I'm not saying they miss him to be playing every snap, but playing 60% of the snap and running those over routes, he's a problem. All right, the defense, uh, Joe Barry. Um, so Joe measured Brett Ripien, didn't he? <laughs> a month ago, he handled Brett, who got cut two days later, and he's on some other team now. Good grief. They might have lost that game, too. What was the score against the Bretts? Well, they beat the Rams 20-3 to that day. All right. We'll, go, we'll get hey, Stafford. We don't, we don't besmirch Brett Ripien on this podcast, Bob. Okay, sorry, Dave. Just cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. The, the defense. <clears throat> Devontae Wyatt. Nice effort, Tyler. Stuffed a run early. Three flushes in a row. Two against Bredesen. One against Pugh, the guard they brought back from mothballs. And uh, he shed a block in the red zone. Made a nice play against the run. Really a good effort by Wyatt. Left with an injury, came right back, showed toughness. Uh, good effort. Uh, Kenny Clark, just okay. One hurry, stopped DeVito on an end zone run. Uh, made another play, beat that backup right tackle, Tyre Phillips. Beat his cutoff block, third and one, no game. They had to punt. Slayton, just okay. Uh, nothing out of uh, Brooks and Wood and the young guys. Not much to say on the D-line. I, I mean, that's a shaky Giants offensive front. I'd say it's a subpar outing for the pack. All right, let's go to the uh, edges. Rashawn Gary, disappointing game, Tyler. He's over there against Tyre Phillips. Now, that guy... I can't remember the college, but I remember scouts talking about him. Bad feet. They thought, no way, he had to be an NFL guard. Well, he's out there at right tackle because Evan Neal, the guy who's been a turnstile, right? I haven't seen much of Evan Neal this year, but you've mentioned that. All right, he's inactive. So Tyre Phillips, he's on his second or third team. Clark didn't get anything. He Or Gary didn't do much of anything. Now, he saw a lot of chips. Uh, tight ends going out, Bellinger, um, Cager, they would chip Gary, and rightly so. He got a knockdown on a bull rush against Phillips. He got killed on the goal line on that point of attack on a one-yard touchdown. He got killed by Bellinger coming across, really poor. He got fooled badly on DeVito Keeper for twenty-six uh, for 12. He blew contained, let DeVito get outside on that touchdown pass when he threw it over to the right. Again, that's Gary getting stuck stuck inside. DeVito couldn't have gone out to his right had Gary been more aware spatially. He did stop a Wildcat run for no gain, and he got a knockdown when Phillips just fell, fell without even being touched, and it was like unblocked. He never got a glove on Gary. I don't know. Over on the other side, Preston Smith was worse. Now, he's up against Andrew Thomas, who I know after his early uh, problems coming out as a first-round pick, he's played better. I've seen that. But Preston Smith, invisible, no pressures, one assisted tackle. I mean, I've liked what Preston's done during their uh, their winning streak. This was terrible. Enigbari completely fooled on DeVito on that 26-yard scramble. Just, you know... 
tunnel vision, blinders on, didn't see it at all. 26 yards around his end. Van S pancaked on that five yard touchdown run to his side. I mean, he's a huge body. He's got to play it better than that. Ends up on his back. I thought the edges were really weak in this game. Uh, really led to the defeat. They didn't recognize DeVito. They didn't put pressure on DeVito. Made his life easy, and that's how you get beat. Uh, the linebackers, McDuffie, you know, he's up and down. I mean, he replaces Quay Walker, and we know how we've discussed Quay all year. Quay's injured. All right, McDuffie's in. <clears throat> right away, they run a, a puller and power at him, gain a 10, he gets knocked down. Just, you know, no substance on that play. He runs through. Pew's late to get him. He gets a tackle for loss for a minus four. I mean, the guy, we've seen McDuffie make plays on instincts. And when he, you know, he shoots his wad, he attacks a gap. More times than not, he's been successful. But then there's a wildcat sweep. He reacts very poorly on that play. The gain is 32. He gets a stop on fourth and one. Nice play, no gain. And then he gets killed on the Barkley run, a gain of 17. So, you know, a minus performance for McDuffie. And then um, Devondre Campbell made a quick hit on that bubble screen, liked the way he pulled the trigger. Missed Barkley on the three-yard line when he – Makes a good read on the goal line on the one. Has a tackle for minus two. Misses the tackle. Barkley bounces right. Touchdown. Awful. Gets beat on that flea flicker for 25. He's just Campbell. He's just not very flexible. And he's stiff out there, Tyler. And in coverage, I liked him two years ago when he had his big year. Now I don't like him in coverage. He's real stiff. He can't break down in space. I'm sure this is his last year. And then Eric Wilson on fourth and one made a really good stop for no gain. That's the only snap he was on the field all day. Um, so that's the linebackers and edges. You got any thoughts, T, before we go to D? I've DB? said it once. Bob, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I want my linebackers shooting their wad. <laughs> got to shoot the wad. Sorry for that, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) The analysis you want to get here in this podcast. Ty, let's go on to the DBs. All right, so they lead 22-21, right? First and 10 on the Giants, 25. 133 left, two timeouts. Did you think the Giants were going to win the game? No. I'm trying to think back at any point that I thought the Giants would actually win this game and call it recency bias. I just assumed the Packers' talent would overwhelm, but then they lost, and you look back at it, and the talent level maybe isn't as as different as you really think. (laughs) I mean, it's the the, the Chiefs win, the Lions win were were such highs for, for this team that a regression back to uh, reality was inevitable, I suppose. But no, I, I didn't. I didn't think that. So Tyler, when Barkley's in the clear before he does his prat fall over on the sidelines, at that point the Packer run defense had been horrible for fifty yards. I thought the game was over. And then he loses the ball, and Valentine picks it up, brings it back for fifty. 
Well, anyway, if that set this up, and at this point, I thought the Packer pass rush would prevail. I did. That they would somehow get after this guy. That Gary would beat Tyree Phillips. Come on. And that Wyatt would win inside against Pugh, the rookie center, Schmitz from the Gophers, and Bredesen, the Michigan guy who's been second team or third team. Nope. DeVito hits a couple of short completions. All right, so let's go to the DB. So now the next play is against Nixon, right? Now, he had been burned by uh, Wandale Robinson early on a slot corner route, and it was a terrible throw by DeVito, and the ball was incomplete. So they kind of go back to that thing, Wandale Robinson on the slot against him. And here he burns he burns Nixon again, but now the ball is perfectly thrown, a gain of 32, and that set up the winning field goal. Um, Nixon missed that tackle on Barkley, the extra about 20 yards on that long run. You know, if Jair Alexander would fit anywhere right now, he'd fit replacing Nixon as the slot. But I don't know what's up with Alexander. Shoulder injury, missed his, what, fifth game in a row. I don't trust the guy, Tyler. I never have. I don't like the way he plays out there. He's a me guy. Just from looking at him, he looks like a me guy. Look how great I am. I don't think he's into team accomplishments. Just by looking at him, he he does not want to tackle. He wants to do things that self-promotes himself. And personally, I don't think they need him outside compared to Valentine and Valentine. As ridiculous as that sounds, I said it last week. I'm going to reiterate that even in defeat. All right, let's stick with Valentine. He gets the pass interference early against Slayton. Good call, 13-yard penalty. He's a fiery guy. He's a good tackler. I like, you know, he struts around like he owns the place, but I like it. Um, Yeah, he got beat for the touchdown by Hodgins. He never turned back for the ball. All right, he's a young guy. He's learning. I think he'll learn from that mistake picks up the fumble nobody else was really hopping on the darn thing he picked that thing up and could have won the game with that 50 yard return while others were standing there uh valentine i didn't see him give up anything he missed a tackle i believe but he's playing pretty good football this guy's been out of football i mean it's an amazing pickup by that personnel department the pro department wojciechowski i think heads that up now and richmond williams All right, the safety, Savage. He comes back into the lineup after an injury. I want to see the good in the guy, Tyler. And I got him down for five good tackles in this game. Like Barkley, first first half, he's breaking away a couple times. He makes a tackle. DeVito's on on the move out in space. He makes a tackle on the guy. Uh, Glowinski, the big guard, the ex-Seahawks starter, pulls on a third and one, and it's Savage who goes in and chops down Glowinski. I think the refs had seen that. It was in the mush, but had they seen that, I think it would have been a penalty. I'm not sure about that. Maybe a DB can can cut an old lineman in this tackle box. I guess you can. It's out in space. You can't cut an old lineman, but it was a hell of a play, and it led to the stop. But then, 
But then he misses the tackle on DeVito in the 26-yard run. He overran it. Just a bad play. Gets knocked out, of, knocked out for three snaps by DeVito's knee. And then he misses Barkley again, an extra 17 on that play. Just when you want to start giving Savage a break, he misses some plays. He's just inconsistent. They've got to get two new safeties. All right, so they start Owens over uh, Jeremy Ford, who's finally healthy. Rudy Ford, excuse me. Uh, Owens looked pretty average in this. You know, he's starting to return to the norm. Uh, He had a miss on one of Barkley's long runs. Uh, Didn't get a lot done. And Ford, he didn't do much. So that's the secondary. You know, DeVito, DeVito beat this defense. Not a very good effort. Special teams, T, uh, Carlson, you know, he barely made that 36-yarder inside the left upright. Whalen made a great spin on a bad snap, and he got it 32-yarder. Uh, just inside the right upright. He missed wide left from 45, and he hit from 48. That was a really good pressure kick. So right now, he's made 80% of his field goals. That ties tied for 23rd among kickers. He's missed three extra points. That's the worst in the league. He's got 32 touchbacks, which ranked tied for 27th. And now he's coming into cold weather. He's got the Bucks this week at Lambeau. He's got Chicago in a couple weeks at Lambeau. It's a little uh, little tenuous there for the kicking situation, whereas Mason Crosby at this point, I know he can't go forever, and Chris Jackie and Ryan Longwell can't go forever, but those guys are money in Wisconsin in December. Whalen, he had one great punt. He had one bad one. And then the ball that hit McCain on the arm, I think the – I give Whalen tremendous amount of credit. That ball hung in the air 5.32 before it struck McCain. Nobody knew where the ball was. They're thinking, where is it, in space? It was a great <laughs> kick, and Whalen deserves credit on that thing. Now Rich Basaccia, you know, the highly paid special teams coach. As I've said it before, he had been a coordinator for, what, 18, 19 years in the NFL, and his rankings on the Goslin rankings were – 16th or 15th or 17th. It's one of those three. I can't remember when I told it up. He's just an average special team coach, and now we've seen it. But LaFleur and Gutekunst are just grasping for straws, and they paid this guy unbelievable money. The penalties, you saw the graphic. He, they lead the league in special team penalties. Uh, Johnson, Anthony Johnson, illegal blindside box. Rudy Ford. Punt interference penalty. Nixon fumbles the, fumbles the punt, blows the recovery, tries to pick it up, just fall on it, tries to make something happen, fumbles, leads to the touchdown, throws his helmet. Just, you know, chaos. Uh, they bench Nixon, the leading kickoff guy in the league. Um, Reed runs it back on the next one. And then Ford... Uh, Ford recover, recovers the, fun, the the punt that banged off of McCain. So that's it for the Packers. A really tremendously disappointed loss. I thought they had a real shot to win the division. Now they have a really a minimal shot. They're in third place. They're closer to the bottom. Crushing defeat, Tyler. M- minimal shot? 
you're that down on their uh, prospects now to to get into the tournament, Bob. When seven of sixteen get in, the forty four percent man. <laughs> they're they're in the graphic, so I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. The the gents are in the graphic too, Tyler. Of course. All right, so now we'll go to the Lions, huh? Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add on on Green Bay. It was... No, I'm done with it. Nauseating. All right. So now they play the Bucs. What's the spread on that one, Tyler? Have you looked at that? Bucs at Atlanta. Let's guess. I'm going to guess two and a half. I'll say the Pack's favored by four and a half. You're saying four and a half? I'm saying two and a half. Okay. Give me a second. It is... Three and a half, right in the middle. <laughs> Can you see a Florida team winning there? But the weather's good, I know, because I'm going to be driving up to see my family uh, on Christmas. The next 10 days, the forecast up there is tremendous. So the weather should be good for the good old Bucks. <laughs> that was a pretty wild game. I know we don't want this to detour into an NFC South conversation because it – Good, good luck making sense of the NFC South, but <laughs> the Bucks are uh, six and seven. Everything in front of them, first place. So, Tyler, you know about the game on December 1, 1985, right? The snowball against the Bucks. Yeah. Yes. That was about a foot of snow. 21 0. Alfonso Carriker. How many sacks? Five or something? <laughs> <laughs> 19,000 showed up at Lambeau that day. All right, let's go to the Lions. <laughs> the Lions are kind of reeling, Tyler. And the Bears are coming on. The Bears are one game behind the Packers, and the Bears look really good. But let's stick with the Lions first. Receivers, let's set through this quick. Jamison Williams, Tyler, plays 38 snaps. Now, you didn't see this game, right? You know, I did bits and pieces. Yeah. It will, yeah, not, not as close 38 as snaps. But what's the average receiver get? Four targets? Sure. Three, four, okay. He got one. Zero receptions. Uh, they throw him a takeoff. Goff th- decides to throw him the ball against Dominique Stevenson over on the left side. He looks over the wrong shoulder. He looks inside. Of course he beat him. He he beats everybody. He's on the left side. He looks to his right, and Goff throws the ball to the red line on the left. And then he tries to look back, and it's all, you know, bollocked up. We talked about this guy in the summer, you know, in early September. Nobody trusts him. Campbell doesn't trust him. Goff certainly doesn't trust him. They keep saying nice things in press conferences, Ben Johnson, but it's just not happening. And, you know, luckily for them, they're not forcing the issue. They're not trying to feed him the ball. So they're throwing it to Reynolds, who's a solid guy, ran a nice post route against Stevenson for an eight-yard touchdown. Caught a 27-yarder against Brisker in zone. Nice play. And they throw a really bad game for Amon St. Brown. 
Um, how many targets? Nine. Um, nine targets, caught three for 21. He had two or three, I'm not calling them drops, but balls that were catchable. Um, he's getting a lot of attention. They don't respect Williams, and they don't really respect Reynolds or Raymond. They do respect respect Laporta, but Laporta keeps being, making plays. Um, Laporta, six targets, caught two. He didn't make that many plays. He got a touchdown, I believe, in this game. Boy, it seemed like a, no, he didn't. Made it two. Both his catches came on third down. So their offense is stagnant, and it's not all golf. Uh, they're not playing well at receiver. The offensive line, you know, golf gets all the, all the criticism here right now, and some of it is deserved. But the off- offensive line has been a real problem. This is their strength, and this hits at the core of what they are. The Packers exposed them. That's last week, Tyler. No, three weeks ago, November 23rd. And now they got exposed by the Bears. Sweat has totally changed the Bears. They never had any rush presence at all. They got him from the Redskins. It has totally changed their defense. Eberflus doesn't have to blitz that much. He can play coverage. And Sweat is getting pressure. Um, Decker... Now, he's on the injury report for this Denver game this week. He missed practice yesterday with a back, and that must explain some of it because Becker Decker was terrible, the left tackle, in this game. He gave up a bull sack to Nagakwe in 2.9 seconds early. He hasn't beaten anybody since September. Horrible pass pro on that play. He missed Edmonds, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, on an end around that went nowhere. Uh, he overshot Edmonds on a running play that only gained one. He had a bad run against the rookie, Zach Pickens. He gave up half a sack to Sweet. He gave a sweat. He gave a knockdown to Sweat. He gave a sack on an up by Sweat bull rush, 3.4 seconds. He gave a sack on a stunt by Jones, the uh, three technique, 3.5 seconds. You can't win with a left tackle like that. And this guy had been, you know, a real consistent performer the first six, seven weeks, and he's been slipping. I don't know if it's an injury or what, but you look at tangible reasons for why the slide has happened. That's one of them right there. Sewell was better in this game, but he's had some bad pass pro games in the last two or three or four weeks. Um, They they miss uh, the center rag now badly. So they put Glasgow at center. You know, I mean, you like Glasgow as a sixth old lineman. There's no question. But he's not as good at center. He's kind of just, you know, one scout used to call these guys oozers. And I've said Glasgow's played with some pop and some explosion, and he has. But I think he's wearing down. He's just kind of an oozer at center. It's just a mush. You don't see strike that you see out of rag now. Uh, that has not helped anything, their interior, their front. They went, at, so they're missing a, a, the right guard. So rather than Sorsdahl, who's had a bad game or two, the rookie, they try the Awasika. Um, and he was just okay in this game. 
And then Jonah Jackson, who's back at left guard, and he's really playing for a big contract from Detroit or elsewhere. Um, false start, wrecked a drive, knocked down. He gets bull rushed by Pickens. That caused the interception by Goff. It was on Jackson. So their old line, they've always said, yeah, but we got an old line. Yeah, but the old line, we're going to rely on it to win the game. That's not happening right now. And it makes the running backs, Tyler, as well as they're playing, it makes them look even better. Montgomery, we've seen him with the Bears. He's really a fine football player. He makes subtle cuts inside. He can run hard and bleed runs. He runs with a ton of heart. He gets hit directly by sweat at one point, keeps going. I got wow, gain of three. Fine blitz pickup. Montgomery is a hell of a player. And I got to say, yeah, he is better than Jamal Williams. There's no doubt. I love Jamal and all he brings, but Montgomery's better. And they made a good call there. And then Gibbs. All right, Gibbs in this game, Tyler. Montgomery had 13 touches for 85. Gibbs had 14 for 82 and a score. But Gibbs, I can't say who's had a better year, him or uh, Laporta on offense. Gibbs was terrific. He had a 36-yard run here on this when he missed a ta- blew, broke a tackle right at the line. Um, he dropped a swing pass on third and 10. That was a big play. That hurt. But a toss on third and one. He gets an 11-yard touchdown out of the thing. He eludes uh, Jones right in the hole. It should have been minus two. Bounces wide for four. He makes a great cut inside on a five-yard run. On third and three, he had nothing there. I wrote down there was shit there. He gets three on a jump cut. Third and four on a bubble. He makes a great run and gains six. Gibbs is playing really good football, and that helps Goff. So Goff is, you know, he's got two receivers. Well, I'm not going to make excuses for Goff. Let's just let the running back stand right there, and now let's go to Goff. He's a stationary target, right, T? We know. Fields is no stationary target. Love is not a stationary target. And this guy is. Um, end of the first quarter, he wrecks the drive. He's trying to play the play clock off against the zero double zero on the board at the end of the first quarter. He lets it run down. He gets a delay of game, and it wrecked that drive. It was at the, uh, the Bear 36. He forces a ball on that pick on fourth and 10 to Laporta. All right, now it's fourth down. He kind of knows when he can force and when he can't. He took a shot, forced it, picked. He made a great throw on fourth and three for 17. You know, Dick Cork, the longtime Packers scout, he used to call uh, Peyton Manning entering that draft and then during his career he'd say, yeah, Bobby, Peyton would throw waffle balls. Well, Goff kind of throws waffle balls too. Waffle balls don't get there as quick as a tight spiral, and they're a little harder to catch. I don't like that about golf. It's certainly not a deal breaker, but it's something to add into the equation. You know, he is really good looking off safeties. He did that on the Reynolds touchdown. It was a single high. Looked the guy off. 
Reynolds beats Stevenson six points. He threw a near interception right to Brisker that he dropped. It was an awful throw. On the exchange, they lose the center exchange. Now, uh, who's the – Glasgow kind of dragged that the, – the hike, the snap up off the ground. It wasn't clean. It wasn't just a one-snap movement. He kind of dragged it on the turf. That led to it. I'm going to give Glasgow 75% blame and Goff 25 on that. You never really know, but we fumbled our our share of center snaps, haven't we, Tyler? <laughs> if the backup ever entered the game, I didn't know where that ball was going. Now, <laughs> our starter, we never fumbled a snap. Maybe one, maybe. I remember that was like a, a claim to fame the two years I started back in high school. It was, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Fitzpatrick. He was like my best friend in high school too. And yeah, his, his snaps were perfect. Shotgun could get a little dicey, but we weren't necessarily a, uh, a running gun offense as we've alluded to. I never participated in a shotgun snap, Tyler. Is that, did it, did it exist when you played? Yeah, it started with the 49ers in about 63 under Red Hickey. That was uh, Billy Kilmer and Bobby Waters were the QBs, and they did the four or five-yard shotgun snap. So that's five, six years before I started playing high school football. So we knew it existed, but nobody used that in high school. No way. (laughs) All right. um, Third quarter, he's got four possessions. I don't think he got a first down, Tyler. Threw the ball behind St. Brown, near interception. Fourth down, he throws one low to St. Brown, incomplete. Fourth and 24, he knows when to take a shot. He got hit on the throw because of uh, Decker. Interception. He took a lot of punishment, but I'll say one thing for Goff. He never looks to blame anybody. I like his, uh, his steely professionalism. But he's not playing real good, Tyler. Just like the Lions aren't playing real good. And now they got Denver coming in here Saturday night. What's the spread on that, T? Let me guess. Now, I haven't seen much of Denver, and I don't think you have either. I don't know. I'll say the Lions are favored by three. Let's see here. Okay. Denver. Detroit. Is a four point spread. The Lions yeah. are favored by four. Uh well, I don't know. All right, defense will go quick. Hutchinson had two bad plays, jumps offside, free play, touchdown on a bomb. He decides to call a stunt or participates in a stunt uh on a touchdown fields eleven yard run around his right side. Anza Werke does not – he's – it's a it's a TE stunt. Hutchinson goes inside. Anza Werke has got to get outside to contain the uh, the field's rush lane out there. He didn't make it. I blame them both. Touchdown fields. That was a killer. Kaminsky had a really good game. Benito Jones played good. Um, they need more out of Anza Werke to give the pass rush they've lost with 
McNeil. Martin, they gave him six snaps, the rookie from Western Kentucky. He just got ran at the first play of the uh, first play in the third quarter, gain of six. Um, that's it there. Outside Hutchinson, we talked about him. They're not getting really anything. A little bit from Romeo Aquara, his brother Julian Aquara. Surprisingly, they had um, Irvin, Bruce Irvin's inactive. Pass rush is uh, not very good, Tyler. The linebackers, Barnes, Anzalone, Campbell, Reeves, Maben. The best of the bunch was Reeves Maven in this game. Played like 12 snaps and did some good things. Anzalone had some miscues. Campbell's just been okay. Let's go to the secondary. Yeah, Jacobs got beat on the three play, 37-yard touchdown, turned and burned by the great DJ Moore, and he is the great DJ Moore. Man, with sweat on defense and DJ Moore on offense, you got two newcomers that have really – made their talent and both sides of the ball look so much better with these two players. Um, they're starting to play the ex-Bear starter, uh, Vildor, Kindle Vildor. Um, he played about 17 snaps in a rotation with Jacobs. Uh, Branch, uh, he's not, he must be covering good. You don't see him even in the action much. He's been a really good rookie. The safeties, Joseph made a really good breakup in the end zone against Moore. It was a wild play. They benched Tracy Walker this week, Tyler. He'd been starting the whole season since Gardner Johnson got injured. We've talked about Tracy's shortcomings. Well, he got benched, and they went with uh, Melifanu. Made a hell of a play on fourth and one, pounding Dante Foreman for no gain. It was a huge hill and a hit, Phil. So their defense is kind of average, man. Special teams, Patterson wide left on an extra point. Fox, the punter, is really good. Um, They gave up a 31-yard punt return to Trent Taylor of the Bears. Romeo Aquara blocked an extra point. So I don't know. The Bears Bears have won two in a row, Tyler. they beat Minnesota. They beat Detroit. The Packers got them on their own field. The Bears are really playing good. Let's talk a little bit about the Bears. We'll finish it up there. Moore, we've talked about him on a 16-yard run off Wildcat. He fakes the ball to Fields as he runs around left end. Beautiful stuff. Third and eight, hell of a catch for 13, big time. Third and third and six, great catch. Bildor's all all over him, gains eight first down, gets injured on a reverse earlier in the third, comes back, returns. Moore and Komet, the tight end's really coming on. Uh, he had a bad drop at the one, but this guy's playing good football. Um, the offensive line, I'm telling you, this Braxton Jones, the more I see him at left tackle, he's a fifth-round pick from what was it, SMU, I believe. I remember all the scouts about him. He is so athletic, Tyler. He's like a tight end at left tackle. He's so much better than what they've had out there. They had some stop gaps and insurance players. He's got a chance to be a long-term answer at left tackle. 
Is he better than Rashid Walker? Well, this is his second year playing. I'll give him an edge on Rashid. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Rashid, but he's pretty darn good. Darnell Wright had no problems in this game, really, against uh, Hutchinson. You got the guard, Tevin Jenkins. Um, he had he was okay in this game. He's a pretty he he's a long term answer at guard. He's a second round pick, and I like what Nate Davis has done. The signing from Tennessee. They got to get a new center, but do they have four spots on the O line filled? The Bears maybe. They got more. They got a tight end. The running backs have been pretty darn good. Foreman, Herbert, Johnson, you can't complain about any of those guys. And Justin Fields, he made some magical escapes. You know him. He's going to do it on you. He's going to kill a defense. Yeah, he throws some bad balls. The timing's off. We know that. He's still auditioning, but they're 5-8. and eight. Eber Flushino since, uh, who was it, Alan Williams, I believe, the D coordinator, got fired about a month ago. He's calling the defense. Technically, they're playing good football on defense, Tyler. I can't believe I'm high on the Bears, but I am. Um, he's a good coach. He can coordinate. He's a good coordinator. That's all I'll say there. Sweat changed the whole thing. You know, Billings. Unrestricted signing from Las Vegas, the old Raider. He's a massive man. He's helped their run defense. Where in the hell do they rank against the run, the Bears? Against the run, Tyler, they're second in the league. Billings and Jones have been solid inside. And you got the two rookies, Pickens and Dexter. They have a future, both of them. They need another edge rusher in the worst way. They got number one pick, whatever. They got picks galore. Edwards has been a good pickup from the Eagles. They paid him a lot of money. He's grown on me. The guy can't run, but he's playing pretty good. Edmonds has come back from injury. The ex-Bill, you know him. He's got a lot of talent. He's starting to play. Jalen Johnson, they're going to have to pay him, but right now he's a number one corner. Kyler Gordon, he gave up nothing all day to Goff and St. Brown. Nothing. He's a good nickelback. And Stevenson, who's had a lot of ups and downs, he was pretty good in this game other than the touchdown. He'll, he'll tackle. Jaquan Brisker, he made some big hits in this game. He was credited with 17 tackles. I don't really care much for the tackle total stat, really. It has meaning, but he dropped the pick. And Eddie Jackson, they got to get another safety, which they'll get. Santos is just – he might be – I'm really paid attention to the kickers in this division and the punters. He's just outstanding. He drilled three more. I don't know if he's missed all year. At Chicago, six kickoffs, five touchbacks off that track. Uh, and Taylor had a 30-yard punt return. So, you know, are the Bears the worst team in the division? I guess so. But this division's got a real future, Tyler. And it's going to be – Kind of interesting watching this division in the next two, three years. I mean, these are every year it's a, a whole new season with, you know, UFA and the draft and all this movement. So it's every year is different, but the Bears, the Bears, they got to make a decision at QB. They got to make a decision at coach. 
Looks like the GM should be solid. They're not bad, T. Um, what about this year? Any of these teams threaten San Francisco, Dallas, Philly? In the, in the playoffs, huh? Right. Right now, I'd say no. Can Campbell, I mean, we've spoken so highly of Campbell and Brad Holmes. Holmes's job is over, over for the year. Can Campbell turn this team around? Look at the schedule. Denver at home, at Minnesota, at Dallas, Minnesota at home. That's all domes, four domes in a row. It helps the Lions. They could lose them all. They could win three. I can't see them winning at Dallas. If, If Dallas will be fighting for some kind of home field, whatever. I don't know. The old line, the collapse of that old line, Ragnall's injury, Decker's back. They lost Vitae. Not playing real good up front, Tyler. And without that, you know, you remember early in the year when Goff was going good, Goff said it all the time. He has all day to throw the ball, you know. He kept complimenting his old line. Without that, boy, he's a sitting duck. People get after him, and he throws bad balls or fumbles. Well, I'm going to stick with my Super Bowl prediction, (laughs) Lions-Jags. All right, that was was, uh, phenomenal, Bob, as always. Bringing you a different game. And look at that. You're holding up a newspaper from what year is that? I can't see the year. Move it this way. September 27th. Whoop, back. A little bit more. All right, now I can't even see the newspaper in the frame. Uh, Just tell us when. (laughs) Green Bay Press Gazette. September 26, 1983. So watching MetLife Stadium, that brought me back to my first trip to New York. So I had never been there until uh, age 31 on this trip. So let's talk about the stadium. Giant Stadium was built out in the Meadowlands. Remember, they moved from Yankee Stadium, and they had been at the Polo Grounds. They had spent a year at the Yale Bowl in New Haven. And um, I don't remember that, no. No, okay. <laughs> so they moved to New Jersey, the swamplands of out there, you know. It's only 6.9 miles from Times Square, the Giants press guide back in 84 reminded us. But it was a massive, oh, my God, they're leaving the Big Apple. They're leaving Manhattan, you know. How can Broadway, how can this happen? Well, they went out there to the New Jersey Sports Complex. And Giants Stadium, the old one, 80,242. Artificial turf from 76 to 99. Grass from 00 to 02, field turf from 03 to 09. I love the place. Uh, that's where this game was. It was an awesome place. And what really made it cool, they had the press box right above the first level of seats in the middle of the field. 
Oh my God. It was like watching the game right in your living room, Tyler. It was an incredible view, the best I've ever seen. And I mean, I got to admit, I was pretty impressed with, uh, with the scribes from New York, you know, they're all in their, in their sports jackets. The place was Monday night football. The place was jammed. You see George Young, a guy who helped me. You see Tom Boyster, his number one scout helped me immeasurably. The pro guy, Tim Rooney was there. Got to shake hands with these guys. Rooney helped me immeasurably for 20 plus years. Same as Boyster. I mean, they really had it good. It was a, a great scene. Now let's go to MetLife. What'd you call it, Tyler? Insipid. <laughs> built in 2010. They felt they had to have a new thing. So they built it on the same site as Giant Stadium. Giant Stadium had only been had a 35-year existence. Um, it had this one's got 2.1 miles square feet. The older one had 900,000 square feet. This one seats 82,500. I was at this one four or five times, I guess. The press box is in the ozone, right, T? You can't oh. see shit. Oh. I remember 2011, the 15-1 and one season, the Packers won a crazy game there. So this would have been the second year that stadium was open. Unbelievable game. It was 30-something to 30-something. And it was actually kind of a good little pre- little foreshadowing because the Giants beat Green Bay at Lambeau and they played them tougher than a lot of people thought they would in the regular season. But I remember not even being able to see much. <laughs> we felt like we were on another planet watching that game. Yeah. It might be the, the highest that I've ever been. How about you two? Yeah. I think it is. It's got to be. Yeah. Okay. So this is a Monday nighter. And Monday night really meant excitement. We're at Giants Stadium. Packers come in two and one. The Giants are one and two. 75,308 is the attendance. Bill Parcells, his first year captaining the Giants ship. Giants have not had a 10-win season in 20 years. Dry spell under like Ray Perkins and John McVay. The Giants win this game 27 to 3. In the last 12 weeks after this tee, Parcells wins one game. He finishes it up 1-10-1 for a 3-12-1 campaign. Bill was humble that first year. The Pack, meanwhile, as we've we've talked about this 83 season, Bart Starr's finale, they wrap it up. They finish 8-8. They win seven of their last eight. But on this night, as the Press Gazette headline says, one giant embarrassment a graphic over it says stumble bumble fumble boy the boys on the desk at the pg my pg were pretty hard on the old home team um howard cosell on his telecast that night he said this is hard for me to look at and then he goes vincent t lombardi and he pauses and he didn't finish his thought and i think he was going to say something like he's rolling over in his grave (laughs) um on wednesday Bart had a presser four days after this embarrassment. And Bart said, as a team, the Giants physically got after us. That has seldom happened before. That's That probably as much as anything was embarrassing. He was asked why. And Bart said, it befuddles me. 
<laughs> All right. They had a horrible bunch of fumbles, Tyler. Four fumbles, three lost. Gary Lewis, the tight end, who career ended with a lung problem. Um, fourth and one, they ran a tight end around. He should have taken it into the end zone. He gets tackled by the cornerback, uh, Mike Mark Haynes. So the offense coordinator, Bob Schnelker, who did not mince words, he was the first guy coming out of the uh, locker room. He was mm-hmm. still furious. I don't even know if he took a shower. He comes stalking out of there. Anyway, somebody got him for a comment, and he said, he shouldn't have gotten stopped, Schnelker bristled. He should have walked in. He stopped himself. He should have been in the end zone. Well, that kind of typified the whole thing. And um, the lead to my column, I was doing columns that year. East Rutherford, New Jersey, Dateline, first sentence. The Green Bay Packers disgraced themselves here Monday night, period, graph. <laughs> All right, afterwards, now, Bart had a bunch of blow-ups, Tyler, after games. During the week and after games. And this was one of them. And Mark Daniels, our great friend, the radio man who's lived us all up there, he's covered the team for 42 years. I don't know. Well, Mark knows, excuse me, Mark has all these things just on by memory. But here's what happened on this one. Mark finishes his presser in the bowels of the Meadowlands. And... um, he had been very uh, very stoic. He was somewhat candid. But then as he's stepping down, a photographer snapped Bart's picture. Now, this is his ninth year, right? As we know, he finished 53-77-1. and one. I'll never forget that. He got nine years. As he, so the picture was taken as he was making an offhanded remark about the Packers' flight possibly being delayed or canceled because of fog in Green Bay. Bart saw the man take his picture, advance towards him, and in an intimidating voice said, I just said something lightly. I don't want anything to appear in the paper with a smile on my face. It was a threat. And he had a bunch of these, Tyler. Um for a couple of McGinn memories in the future, we'll think of that. But then I just want to close with this, put the bow on this thing. Four or five days later on A1 of the Green Bay Press Gazette, there's a brightener on the bottom of the fold on A1. And there's a little Press Gazette graphic of a, of a man hunched over like in thought and unrest unease and his car hood is up his the hood of his trunk is up as if the car is in danger okay so i'll i'll tell you this eight graphs thing i cut this out and put it in my archives so here's what happened i mean em- emory coonan c-o-o-n-e-n age 26 had just gotten off a 12-hour shift at fort howard paper company and he ran out of gas with his pickup truck on the alloway Ashwabanon Bridge. Now, of course, Tyler, you lived there for five years. You know the bridge. It connected the west side of Green Bay to the east side, right? Sure. There's like four bridges, but that was the big one. That was built. Boy, I know because I walked. 
77 maybe. That's a guess on that. All right, so he raised the hood of his trunk, a truck, turned on the emergency flashers, and tried to flag downhill without success. So then he began trudging across the bridge. This is in the Press Gazette. More cars whizzed by, but one carrying a man and a woman slowed down, only to speed up again. Ten minutes later, that same car returned, stopped, and the driver asked if he could help. Coonan eagerly accepted the offer. Coonan, now this is what, you know, a small town paper, what we did back at the time. Coonan, comma, 2190 casual court, comma. We put his address. And if it was Green Bay, we didn't say Green Bay. Just 2190 casual court, because most of the Press Gazette readers were from Green Bay. He told the, told the paper, quote, I asked what I owed him for his time and gas. And he replied that someday it might be him on the side of the road or someone else who needs him. Who was the driver who helped Emery Coonan? Bart Starr. 3 a.m. Bart had landed at Austin Straubel Field with the team around 2.30. He's hightailing at home over the Alloway-Ashwaubenon Bridge going to his house on Riverside Ave Boulevard in De Pere. I know right where his house was because I was over there the year prior during the strike. When the strike ended in 82, he had all the press over to his house. <laughs> Zeke Bradkowski, the QB coach, lived right across the street. That's on Carriage Court. Tyler, this was a small town deal. This is 40 years ago, okay? The Packer coach had taken his wife, Cherry, home and then dropped her off on Riverside, and then came back on Webster. Webster, not Riverside. I'm sorry about that. And then he returned to aid Coonan. Now, a couple things. It shows that Starr was one hell of a guy, right? He truly was. Can you imagine this? He's probably going to be at the office at 6 or 7 to look at that tape because he's probably got a game on next Sunday. He's on a short week anyway. That's number one. Number two, what this tells me, Just what newspapers meant 40 years ago. Green Bay, the Press Gazette's penetration in Brown County and Green Bay was phenomenal. And I think Danette had just bought us out from from the family ownership, I'm guessing, two or three years ago. But the paper had not fallen under Gannett's leadership as it later would and is now. It's a mere shell of itself. But that was one hell of a small newspaper with about 50,000 daily circulation and 60 on Sunday. Everybody got the paper. And if you didn't, your next door neighbor did or a family member did. So Coonan went home that night. And then when he got up at noon or whatever, and he told his friends and he told his family about what Bart Starr had done. So what's the first thing they thought to do? Call the Press Gazette. Call the local newspaper. Call them. You just call them. Everybody got the press because everybody would see this. And that's the way it was at that point. Coonan called. I mean, can you imagine the letters Bart would have received? There wouldn't have been Twitter. There wouldn't have been Facebook. Starr would have got letters addressed to him at the Packers. Nobody knew his address. And he, he probably would have responded to those letters. Coonan, the rest of his life, he would have been able to tell this story. And the Press Gazette readers had this. It wasn't blown up huge, Tyler. 
Yeah. This is here. It is. You can see the clipping. There it is. Wow. Yeah. Look at the little graphic, right? <laughs> so that's it. Um, Parcells first game, Bart's last year. Uh, a horrendous defeat. The year before, they had killed the Giants at Giant Stadium. This game, they got killed. And Bart Starr on the way back. How many people would do that, Tyler? Are you kidding me? All right, that's it. Unbelievable. I love these old stories when the newspaper was central to not just communication, but life. I mean, I'm old enough now to just remember that newspaper plopped down in the living room, not, not in just our, our home only in times Herald Buffalo news, but Sal make a press too. Um, all, all three could be there, but I loved going to see like family in Ohio. My mom grew up in Ohio and it was always fun to go back there for, for Christmas. And you knew that the Cleveland plane dealer was going to be there. You know, the Ashtabula paper might be laying around like it. And you just God, getting the ink all over your hands spending time to think to read to learn it was a, i think we were just a different species then people weren't just scrolling for fast food just for headlines and moving on and this past week as we've discussed it, it's kind of crystallized everything and hopefully we can be a home for something different right not only are people listening to us talk football here for an hour and a half but they're willing to stop what they're doing during the day and read 20,000 words. So the desire is there. You, I see it. <laughs> and it's so encouraging. So thank you, everyone, for being old school, right? That's why we, we have the logo we do at Go Along. It's uh, quarterbacks <laughs> straight out of the 40s and 50s, uh, hurling one deep. That was great, Bob. You carried the show. Fantastic. Thank you, Tyler. People were informed back then by news yeah. organizations that their heart was in the right place. The Green Bay Press Gazette. I mean, I was proud to work there, man. It was a hell of a thing. And um, and the community was, in, was well informed as a result. And same with you, Tyler. I grew up reading newspapers every day after school, just laying on my stomach in the front room paging through the Escanaba Daily Press afternoon paper. We got all these stories, you know, and now I don't know where people are getting information. Personally, I still get it from the newspaper, the real hard copy, Detroit Free Press, Detroit News and New York Times. I read the three every day. So that's it, Tyler. Well, I think that it's adjusting. Excuse me. That's why I really love Substack as the platform for go long. I mean, Substack does believe in people taking their brains back that you don't need to just accept Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, whatever, as your new source. Like you, you can actively subscribe to newsletters. So, you know, going in, I'm, I'm making an investment of time of money to pay X amount of dollars per month or per year for this Substack for this newsletter. And that appealed to me right away, you know, when I was trying to figure out where to take the next step in my career and covering this game. And it's been a perfect fit. People are willing to make that investment, like I said, of, of time, not just financial. And I'm, I, I'm encouraged, you know, every time I want to get down and out and like, oh, man, 
all these people that are just ripping away. They didn't, they didn't read it, right? They just, they just heard one anecdote or saw one headline. There's a lot of people that do read and there's a lot of people that do want to learn. So again, thank you everyone. And, and the way that we keep this thing growing is sharing it, right? Share with a family member, share with a friend. Uh, just, just let, let people know out there that go long is here and not just go long. There's a lot of great sub stacks. There's a lot of great pay sites out there that can appeal to anything that you're looking for in your life. Tyler, your McDermott problem. You were fearless. You were fair. You were complete. The thing was beautifully reported. Um, it, it was an incredible effort on your part. And, um, Thank you for doing it. Proud to work with you. Hey, thank thank you, Bob. Incredibly kind of uh, you to say that. And as I told you yesterday, I I'm, I'm fortunate that the first year I covered the the NFL full time, Bob McGinn is my mentor, coworker, friend, Tom Silverstein, Lori Nickel, Gary D'Amato, the whole the whole crew there at the at the Journal Sentinel to come up in this sport and in this business with you all. It kind of set me on that right path where I think not all, you know, there, there are, like I wrote some very good beat writers and very good national writers out there. It's not a blanket statement, but I think a lot of younger writers that get into it, they don't have the benefit of a Bob McGinn in their life to kind of get them thinking a certain way. So, all right. Now uh, I think people don't want to hear us, you know, continue this <laughs> for, for hours and hours right. and hours, but yes. Bob Fortunate our path crossed Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. everyone.